Well, it's uh, amazing how God does a, a work in knitting together things that you don't even think are going to be knit together. Uh, and this morning, Mark talked about um, about having compassion, which means in care and concern for the people. And so I just want um, a felt really just a heavy need to pray this morning uh, for uh, people around uh, the world, for the things that are going on um, just in our lives, but also around us. So if you'll join me in prayer this morning, and as I pray, I want to encourage you not just to listen to the, to the prayers that I pray, but I really believe um, that we are surrounded by uh, people that love one another and that your prayers matter too. Uh, to God, and it moves his spirit. So would you pray with me? God, we just uh, come to you knowing that there are so many things that are going on, not only in our personal lives, um, but God, there are so many things going on in the world, the world that we need to come to you about. God, you have said in your word that, um, that what does worry add to our days? It doesn't add anything. But God, as the people, you've called us not to worry, but to pray. And so, God, we come now uh, with, with all the things that are heavy in our hearts. And, our, um, and God, we just pray <clears throat> specifically um, right now uh, for the, the rescue efforts uh, in Turkey. God, that there are still stories, uh, there are still people that are being pulled out. And so, God, whatever mac- miraculous work that you need to do uh, to allow people to be found to survive, God, to care for the wounded, to care for the families that have lost loved ones, for a country and people that are mourning. God, would you send your spirit upon them, upon that whole nation, to have compassion, to guide, to minister, to comfort. God, we pray for those uh, in our own country, in Ohio, that have, um, that are dealing with an evacuation of their town, um, with a major ecological um, event that is causing repercussions all over. God, I pray that you, um, for those especially displaced and not knowing if they can ever go back into their home, God, would you just continue um, to be with those that are are sick, that are ill, that are homeless. God, would you raise up people, um, your followers, that would be able to have compassion, rooms to stay, um, places to mend, lives. God, we pray um, even today for the war in Ukraine. As it enters over a year, God, we just pray that you would, you would move in the hearts of the leaders. That God, whatever their hearts are hard or soft to you, God, your Holy Spirit isn't kept from people. Your Holy Spirit can be evident and prompted and felt by every creature that you created. And so God, we ask that your spirit would go, would soften the hearts that need to be softened that you would open the ears <clears throat> that need to hear, that you open the eyes to see the compassion that we need to have for one another, that we are created in the image of the invisible God, that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. God, would you rise up the church to be the church, to have compassion for all those that are displaced, 
God, would you continue to call us to deeper unity, deeper commitment to the kingdom of God, deeper commitment to compassion, to mercy, and to justice, that we would be humble people that walk in humility with you, that we'd love justice and we'd seek mercy and we walk humbly with you. God, and for everything that's going on in our lives, that bring us here today, whether heavy burdened or refueled and rejuvenated for what's got to come in the next season, God, I pray that you would fill this room with your spirit. Not because you have to, but because you love us and you want us to know you. You want us to, to follow you. God, you want us to give us of our whole selves to you. So, Father, send your spirit, who is the one that moves today, whether we recognize it or not, God, the Holy Spirit is moving in power. God, rest on us today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you, church. Um, As we end this Holy Spirit series, um, we just desire to finish off um, the last half of it, with, we've talked about it a little bit. What does it look like actually to live by the Holy Spirit? What does it actually look like when the Holy Spirit is actively a participant in your life, when you are in communion with, listening to, um, in relationship with the Holy Spirit, where like that question, as, as the church often is, is what does that actually look like? And last week we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, how walking with the fruit of the Spirit, it changes our natural inclination to do what we want to do and then moves us into fruits of the Spirit that are produced by the Holy Spirit. And then today, this week, we want to talk about one thing. And it comes in Romans and it talks, and Paul talks about it a lot with the churches and the letters that he writes. And he says this, that we are to have, we have gifts that are given to us by the Spirit. Our gifts are not our own, but they are meant to be shared. That the gifts are not our own, but they are gifts that are given from the Spirit. And so this morning, we're going to uh, turn to, to Romans chapter 12, um, and we're going to sit in this as we uh, wrap up our series and learn what does it look like for us who have been given, who live by the Spirit, what are the gifts that we have been given. And so if you have your Bible in front of me, I'd encourage you to open it up, whether it's uh, physical or digital, um, or you can follow us on the screen. This is uh, Romans 12, starting in verse 3. And it says this, for by the grace given to me, or given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the, fle- with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body and many members, these members do not all have the same function. So we in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord this morning. 
Church, I got to say this before we start. I've just been feeling this um, pretty quickly. But we read that that every one of us have been living um, as followers of Jesus, that our desire at Pine Lake is to find and follow Jesus together. And one of the things that we, I want to say just pr- pretty clearly this morning, is that when it comes to being in relationship with the Holy Spirit— it doesn't mean that we are attuned to the Spirit. We've been doing this 929 challenge. That there's only like five minutes out of the day, three separate times that we're really attuned to the Spirit. Being in relationship with the Spirit, living by the Spirit, actually means that the more that we are involved with the Spirit, the more that we die to ourselves, so that we become less and the Holy Spirit becomes more. Paul actually starts this part where we talk about gifts and about the Holy Spirit. He goes, he says this, Therefore I encourage you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. When we talk about being a part of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that you give the Spirit three to four hours a day, and then you go back to doing you. That living life of Holy Spirit means that we, like, die to ourselves so that the Holy Spirit might come and be in us, and that we might be able to be a vessel for God to use to allow others to find and follow Jesus. And then when it comes to this morning, is that as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, that the gifts that we have been given isn't just used a few times a week or maybe once a year, but that as we live in full surrender, as living sacrifices to the Spirit, it means that we become less and we become a vessel where our gifts can be used, not just sparingly, but overflowing in abundancy. That our relationship with the Holy Spirit, the relationship with Jesus, the relationship with God is not something that we become sparingly attached to, but we're fully sacrificing and living for. This is the difference and this is the depth that we are always, I'm growing to. That I right now am say full in front of all you in confession that I don't live all my hours of all my days fully committed to the Spirit. But that is my desire. That is why we're saying like at this seven weeks years, I'm not going to get it right. You're not going to all get it right. But my commitment is that I want to lay my life, sacrifice it so that I become less and the Spirit comes more. Not so that I can find certain sections of my day, week, year to, get, to find the Spirit come up. But it's a full surrender. It's a full surrender. And so I just wanted to say that really clearly as we come, because I don't want to get to the end of the series and not say that. That as we come out of this, out of this series, I don't want you to forget that it's just like, oh, at 9, 2, and 9 are the only times that I'm connected, or the people at Pine Lake are connected to the Holy Spirit. No, those are moments that are just a, a, a connection point to a life that is connected and given to the Holy Spirit. So uh, this morning when we talk about gifts, I want to say this clearly. Some of you might be saying like, what are we talking about gifts of the Spirit? And you heard some of them. And Paul talks about them in in Corinthians. He also talks about them in Ephesians. He talks about uh, the gifts of the Spirit. But he says this, and and I want you to, to encourage you that God, you hear this clearly. That if you have found and followed Jesus, that if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, that you live in accordance and with the Spirit, if you have been born with the Spirit, then you have a gift. You have a gift. You have a gift of the Spirit. You can, like it just said like in here, you cannot be connected to the body of Christ. 
the crisis ahead. You can't be a part of the body of Christ and not have a gift. And I know that understanding, like, what is the gift that the Holy Spirit gives you is also a, a, a walking and an understanding of how he's uniquely wired you, how the Holy Spirit has uniquely wired you and revealed to you and given you opportunities to use your gift. But if you are part of the Holy Spirit, if you're a part of the body of Christ, you have a gift. So I don't want anybody coming here going, I don't have a gift. If you say you don't have a gift, then my question back to you would be like, are you a follower of Jesus? And if you say yes, I'll be saying you have a gift. Right? Because this is the thing. If you are connected to Christ, if he is the head, he does not withhold from anybody. Could you imagine a God that says, like, you're a part of the body, and I want you to be a part of us, but I don't want you to have a gift. That's like coming on Christmas morning, and you as a family saying, we love you, and we want you to be a part of your family, but you don't get any gifts. What kind of parent does that? If you do that, tell me, because I would like to buy less uh, for my kids. But no, this is the thing about a good God who says you are not withheld from the gifts. You have a gift. He's given it to you because he's good and he loves you. Everybody has been distributed a gift because you have received grace. Right? He says the gift that you have been given is in direct correlation to the grace that you have been given in Jesus Christ and through Jesus. So if you are a follower of Jesus, if you found Jesus and you are following Jesus, if you have said, God, I have messed up and I cannot do this on my own. I need your son. I accept his willing gift, his, his sacrifice, and I want the grace because I have sinned and fallen short. Then you have been given a gift because you have received grace. You've received grace. And grace is a free gift that is offered to you. And as the same way that the grace is a free gift that is offered to you as through the person of Jesus Christ, the same way the Spirit's gift to you, the gifts of the Spirit is a free gift and an offering to you, not because you deserve it. But because he loves you. And he wants to be found in you. And he wants to work in and through you. He wants to use your story in order that others might see him in you. It's a free gift of grace. And then, in that part, if everybody has given a gift and everybody's received a grace, then we have to start putting this thing to death that's called comparison. We've talked about a lot. That the gifts that you've heard and hear, whether it's um, prophecy, whether it's serving, whether it's um, faith, with it's encouragement, if it's giving, if it's leading, if it's mercy, all these things that we have been given the same grace— that it's the same from Jesus, that we've all been given gifts, then we have to stop thinking that some gifts are better than others. Or that some parts of the body are better than others, which he talks about in the same section, is that our gifts that are given to you are not better. That just because I'm up here teaching does not mean that my gift is greater than the ones that are in serving right now with children, with youth. Those that lead middle school, those that lead high school, those that work with our youngest, our elementary, our preschoolers, those that sit in the background and do all the work that you can't see, it doesn't mean that my gift, because I'm up here speaking, is better than the other. But we often do that. 
We often mitigate and we lessen our gift if it's not something flashy, which means then we're like, oh, it's a lesser gift. But how can it be a lesser gift if there's no lesser grace? Because if you're saying you've, you've received a lesser gift, then you've received a lesser grace, which means you need to be here a lot more often seeking after God because you're not getting a full grace. But if you've received full grace from Christ and a full gift from the Holy Spirit, then to use that gift, there's no hierarchy of gifts anymore. We've got to put that aside. That we seek the Spirit not asking for, can I have a gift like this person? How often in our society do we like to emulate certain people? Or we say, like, if you want to be like that, do what they do. No. The Holy Spirit just needs you to be you and to serve and use the gift that he has given you. Because it's actually better. The fullness of God works in and through you. So if you have a gift, if we've made it clear that you have a gift, you need to use it. You need to use it. If you have a gift, why are we sitting on it? Like, I, have you ever, there's a, this came to my mind is when I was thinking about this phrase, like, if you have a gift, use it. Like, have you ever, have you seen the movie, like, Christmas Vacation? Which he's like, he gets caught up in the attic, and he's like watching through family photos, and all of a sudden he's searching the attic because he's locked in there, and then he finds a gift that he was supposed to give his wife from years ago. And my question was like, why in the world would you get a gift and not give it? Like, what, what is the worth of the gift that he has given and he has put thought in to give to his wife and then he hasn't given it? It's useless. And in the same manner, why would the Holy Spirit give you a gift that then you don't use and share with one another? If you have a gift, then use it. That, that is in, in this text in Romans 6, and when he talks about the gifts, he does this. And I want you to, to identify two words in there that happen a lot. Remember? Again, we say when, the, when God has, speaks in his word, it's not by coincidence, there's purpose. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesize in accordance with faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. There is an if and then relationship to gifts. If you've all been given a gift, then use your gift. If you've been given a gift, then use it. And I thought about, like, what keeps us out of this mindset of saying, like, if it's an if-then relationship, if our, if our relationship to the gift is an if-then relationship, that if you've been given a gift, which is yes, you've been given a gift, then use it. What is the in-between that keeps us to fall short of it? Well, I think often sometimes we believe this um, false narrative that your gift is a non-renewable resource. That you can only use your gift so much for a couple reasons, right? Because you want to use it where it's, it's, you know, most effective, right? We in this culture, we're saying, like, we don't want to just use something where it's, like, not really effective or doesn't have a super, uh, like, a really good value or in the right space. And so we, like, really always, in Christian really words, we're like, mm, I'm going to discern about that. 
Hey, could you serve? Mm, Let me pray about it. Because I don't know if it's going to be the best use of my gift. Because we really believe that we have to discern for the Spirit where to use our gift that we know better. So we sit on it and we hold our gift. Or there's this thing, it's like, or, or if we use our gift too often, we will be burnt out. Which tells me then that you believe that your use of the gift is a determination on how well it's used. That your resource or your, that's like your, your car on your, your fuel tank, that if you use your gift too much, you will empty the tank. And then you need to pause and fill back up. But then really it's your gift and not the Spirit's gift. It's your manipulation and use of the gifts and the Spirit's opportunity to allow your gift to be used because you believe you'll burn out. So we hold our gifts. We hold our gifts. Our gifts are not meant to, or this other one, to be held or to use, or is supposed to look like where time is best fit. Time is the resource in which we often wrap our days around. That we say, I want to use my gift, but I don't know if it fits the time of which I have to use it. Like, I want to use my gift, but the time that you're offering me or the time that is offered doesn't really fit my schedule. And so then that must be an affirmation from the Spirit that I'm not supposed to use my gift in this way. But instead, our relationship with our gift and our relationship with Jesus shouldn't be like, if it fits my time, then it's an affirmation of God's direction to use my gift. But to say, if I've been given a gift and I've been offered an opportunity to use it, then I'm going to use it. That I need to bend my schedule, my time, my purpose, my priorities in order that I might use my gift and not sit on it. I know I'm saying hard words here, but I can't help but preach what God has called us to know. To live fully in accordance with that living sacrifice isn't to say, like, I will offer myself as living sacrifices if it fits in my calendar. Not to shame, not to manipulate, but to say, your gift is too valuable, too important to God for us not to use it. Because what happens when we use it? What happens when you begin to use the gift that God and the Spirit has given you for his purpose? When we use it for his purpose, we begin to help people find and follow Jesus. This is, this is the point. When you use your gift, you're not fulfilling a time or requirement or even a volunteer opportunity or... <laughs> for college credit. Like, you're not doing it for an internship. You're not doing it for community service, which then gets you into college because you've been doing a lot of stuff at your church. You use your gift in order that people can find and follow Jesus. This is why when we use our gifts, the Spirit works in and through us that we find that God is able to do and work through us what we could never do by ourselves. That all of us each have been given different gifts and that when we're all using our gifts in accordance to the way and the grace that he has given us, that as we're all doing it together, God has used us to do what we can't do alone. That's why if I'm the only one, I'm not saying, okay, whew. 
if someone is only using their gift and nobody else is, we're limiting what God can do in and through us. We need you. God needs you to use your gift to help others find and follow him. Because here's the truth, that if only a few of us are giving and using our gifts, then we're only able to reach those that are using. If, here's the thing. It, when you, we're encouraging to you, you to use your gift. It means that you will be able to reach somebody that I will never be able to reach. Because the Holy Spirit has placed in a gift in you that I don't have, that fits in the, in the proximity of people that he has put in place of you, that helps people know and find and follow Jesus. That by using your gift, this is why we're the body of believers. This is why the priesthood of all believers. This is why not only is finding and following Jesus important in what we do in gathering here, but when we go out, that we use our gifts to encourage, to serve, to love people that some of us would never be able to reach. If it weren't for you saying, God, I live my life in full sacrifice and full surrender so use my gift when and wherever you want. First Peter says it this way. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That our gifts, when they're exercised, when they're used, they are used to provide witness, to bear witness to the proof that Jesus is actually alive. That Christians who follow Jesus aren't empty vessels that are following some mystical thought, but they see the living God alive in them through the Holy Spirit, through the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit lived out in their daily lives. And that the body and the community of believers create this beautiful picture of what it means to find and follow Jesus, to see Jesus alive, the Holy Spirit alive today in it. And he says, this is a beautiful thing because they're not all the same. And where the body should split somehow, followers of Jesus, this body of Jesus stay together. It's that our gifts, when they're exercised, don't bring glory to our name, but to Christ. That our gifts, when they're exercised, allow people to see our love for Jesus. That when we exercise the gifts of the Spirit that he has given us, it means that the body starts to follow Jesus. Like, this is what we do, like as a church. This is what you mostly experience when gifts are exercised, is it helps you follow Jesus, right? This is why we have people right now serving and teaching our preschoolers, teaching our elementary, teaching our middle schoolers. Here right now, I'm using my gift to help us teach so that we can follow Jesus better in the way that the Holy Spirit is moving in us. We use our gifts so that others might follow Jesus. This is why we invite you into groups so that you can use and your gift in order to help people follow Jesus. This is why we encourage you to be part of groups so that when people are exercising their gift, you will be encouraged to follow Jesus. 
Following Jesus is often the ways that we use gifts, that we build up the body, which means increasing the faith that you have, that you've already found in Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. That's my hope right now, that we gather together, that we're encouraged by this Jesus, that he's not fake, that he's real, he is alive, he did what he said he would do, he has raised a life, he is coming back, and that we are and that he is at work now through the Holy Spirit. Encouragement to increase our faith. But it also is when you use your gift, you help people find Jesus. This is the thing that we often don't talk about, that I want to encourage you today, that using your gift doesn't mean within the four walls of this building or on this campus. Or just gather to people that already know Jesus. When you use your gift that the Holy Spirit has given you, you help others find Jesus. Like the ones that are helping in the Littles Lounge or in preschool. They're loving on the kids not because they're supposed to or they have to, because they get to. Because Jesus first loved them. And he says, doing your gifts outside of anything but love is worthless. But as you're loving them, as you're loving them, they get to find Jesus. They get to know that somebody loves them not because they're told to or because Austin says that they'll get in trouble if they don't. But you get to find the love of Jesus through another person. This is why we have middle school leaders, high school leaders that walk alongside teenagers in partnership with you as parents so that you're not alone, that people get to see, that your kids get to see not only your faith and how you have found and you follow Jesus, but they give other people in their lives, which helps them understand how to find and how to follow Jesus, that we work together so that they might come to a testimony and a faith of surrender and baptism that they have found and followed Jesus, not just because of you, but because of the bodies of believers. And this is why God has given you gifts. Your neighbors need your gifts. Your coworkers need your gifts. Your strangers need your gifts. The people that serve you when you go out to eat, they need your gifts. Not so that they might feel a little bit better about themselves, so that they can find the person of Jesus, find their inherent value and in who created them and loved them. So church, my encouragement to you today is that use your gift. You all have one. If you don't know it yet, There are a ton of resources that we can point you to, conversations that we can have with you that can say, where's your gift? There's also a my encouragement to you is to say, if you don't know your gift, you should probably be seeking the one which gives you the gift, the spirit. And in your conversation, spirit, I don't, could you teach me how I'm wired? Can you teach me the gifts that you've given me, the way that you've uniquely wired me to participate in the body so that others might find Jesus? Have conversation with us as staff. Have conversations with people, trusted followers of Jesus that you believe have walked this road a long time, that you see them using their gifts. Say, hey, can I have a, I have a question? How did you know the gift that you have? You don't have to ask me, ask them. What does that look like? How did you put that into practice? And walk along. You're never meant to do this life alone. Would you join me in prayer?
Father, I just pray right now that you would be lifted up. I pray for protection over anybody right now that feels like there's shame that's creeping in. That as we gather together, uh, it's a condemnation of either not feeling they're worthy of a gift, they have one, or that they're not using one, or even the subtle bitterness that they've been using it too much. God, I pray that we put aside the narrative of the evil one that, that wants to heap shame upon us. And God, and I allow and I ask for the spirit to be placed upon us to clearly speak, to clearly move, not just in this hour, but the next, and the next day, and the next week, and the next month. God, would you give us places in your body, God, and out of the body to use the gifts that you have been given so that all glory and honor go to you. All witness goes to you and how good and how great you are. That you are good and not I am good. Holy Spirit, come. Fill this space. Encourage us so that we might be living sacrifices to you. We ask this in your name. Amen.